Welcome to the Penguin Podcast. Hello, my name's Anna Ridley and you're listening to the Penguin Podcast. Today on the podcast, Robert Coover reads his short story, Romance of the Thin Man and the Fat Lady. It's a story for grown-ups and a couple of times Robert uses grown-up language, so please keep that in mind when you're deciding if you want to keep listening. But it's also a great short story and we hope you like it. Robert's a writer of brilliant, surreal, dark and really funny fiction and has been for decades, influencing everyone from Angela Carter to Dave Eggers. This particular story was first written in the late 60s. Here's Robert to introduce it. Uh, I'm going to read a little story from uh, Quick Songs and Deskets, a, a book that... Uh, had been in my mind since I began writing, really. But in those days, um, one couldn't publish uh, books of stories very easily as a young writer. So I kept collecting these short tales and thinking I was not going to write anything else but them until finally a novel came along and then a second. And then finally my publisher said, yes, we can can do a book of stories now. And I'd been... uh, playing around with uh, uh, various forms, kind of the idea mostly with short fiction was to figure out different ways to write a story. And each of these began to form little sets. And so the book Crick Songs became a kind of place to shape in which to place them. And I imagined it as a sort of, as a flower might uh, bud in the middle and the petals stretch outward. So the dedication to the book is right in the part of it, and it's followed by seven little exemplary tales from my earliest days as a writer. And then it moves out in all directions, you might say, to the front, to the back, and it has an opening prologue and then a closing final act. And this piece comes sort of along the way on that route out to the final act. It's called The Romance of the Thin Man and the Fat Lady. I might add that uh, this piece has uh, no uh, he says or she said, so we don't know who's speaking. Uh, reading it, it's pretty obvious. My reading of it may make it less obvious. Uh, certainly there are two main characters, the title characters, and they often uh, speak either to each other or to others in the circus. And then the circus people speak back. So we'll just have to hope that somehow... Uh, my the way I enunciate them will somehow give a clue enough that you can follow uh, the one can follow the the narrative. Now many stories have been told, songs sung about the thin man and the fat lady. Not only is there something comic in the coupling, but the tall, erect, and bony stature of the man and the cloven mass of roseate flesh that is the lady are in themselves metaphors too apparent to be missed. To be sure of it, one need only try to imagine a thin lady paired with a fat man. It's not ludicrous, it's unpleasant. No, the much-recounted mating of the thin man with the fat lady is a circus legend full of truth. In fact, it's hardly more or less than the ultimate image of all our common everyday romances, which are also, let us confess, somehow comic. We are all 
thin men. You are all fat ladies. But such simplicities are elusive. Our metaphors turn on us, show us backsides, human and complex. For observe them now. The thin man slumps, soup-eyed and stoop-shouldered, seeming not thin so much as ill, and the fat lady in her stall sags immobile and turned blackly into herself. A passerby playfully punches his thumb into her thigh, an innocent, commonplace event, and she spits in his eye. Hey, lady, right in his eye, I saw her. What kind of circus is this, anyway? She's probably not fat, just wearing a balloon suit. Come, darling, don't get too close to the fat lady. Something's wrong with her. Children cry, and lovers, strangely disturbed, turn quickly away from them, seeking out the monkey cage. Ooh, the image of all our romances, indeed. Yet, perhaps, why, yes, surely, the signs are unmistakable. A third party has intruded. Madam Cobra the Snake Charmer, the incredible man with the double joints, the missing link, no, our triangle is of a more sinister genius. Our villain is the ringmaster. We thought he'd understand. We were open about it. The circus life is a good life, but it's a tough one, too. A man's got to be a man. Get off that diet, fat lady, says he, the pig. Okay, okay, I say, but he doesn't believe me. He moves in on us. Can you imagine? I was in the strong man's tent. I had 25 pounds up in the air, which for a thin man ain't bad. I'm pretty proud of it, and when he comes in, I say, Hey, look at that muscle. I'll show you muscle, says he, and kicks my poor ass all over that tent. He shouldn't do that. I got a very fragile spine. Tape measure, calorie charts, scales, everything. Don't take his beady eyes off us day or night. I ain't allowed to sweat. My man can't exert himself. What are we supposed to do? Like animals, that's how he treats us. Livestock, checks her teeth, hefts her udders, slaps her on her bare nates when she's on the scales. No heart at all. She's crying. But what does he care? Eat, he says, eat. You gotta let a woman be a woman. I believe that. So it comes to this, then, that not even ultimate heroes are free from fashion. The thin man has wished to develop muscles, further to excite his fat lady. Build stamina, too. Helps your win. And the lady has attempted to reduce, to be more appealing to her man. And I had my heart to think about. You understand. Now, were the ringmaster a philosopher, he might have avoided the catastrophe. Whereas in all true romances, and surely in the truest, there is a catastrophe. He might have been able to convince the couple with the merest syllogism of the absurdity, indeed the very contradiction of their respective wishes. But far from being a philosopher, he indulges in the basest of trades and is thus the best of villains. He is a trafficker, a businessman, a financier, a keeper of the holier books. Eh, philosophy? You want philosophy? I'll give you philosophy. Okay, okay, so they're romantic symbols. I understand that. I'm not stupid. But what they symbolize, buddy, ain't beauty. It's like that old fraud Merlin the prestidigitator said when he came to try and soft soap me. Who can blame them if they see outside themselves symbols of their own? 
There's something in all of us, Mr. Ringmaster, he says, that rebels against extremes. Hell, I can follow that. And being a symbol, who wants it anyway? Narcissism, that's all it is. But what the fuck else do you think a circus is all about? Philosophy, philosophy my ass. And the same goes for human nature. Want me to wreck my goddamn business? Listen, if a fat lady were not the fattest, and a thin man the thinnest in the world, we're talking first principles now, Buster. No one would pay to see them. Where are all your goddamn noble abstractions when a circus collapses and we're all of us out on the streets? Adaptation, boys and girls. Expediency. And the hell with nature. Things do not work out as well, however, as the ringmaster has anticipated. The fat lady in her gloom loses her appetite and begins to waste away. The thin man stops eating altogether and must be held in an upright position all day by props. And even the ringmaster, normally of such stable, even if unpleasant temper, grows inexplicably fidgety in the long, fumbling nights alongside the couple's troubled bed. She can't sleep, the poor dear, whimpering all night long. I try to soothe her best I can, but my hands, so to speak, are tied. One squeak of the bed springs, and on come the lights. The man's a nut. He looks down at my man and says, That's one muscle too many, and he throws cold water on him. All night in a cold, wet bed. Well, at last the ringmaster negotiates a highly favorable contract of exchange with a rival circus, by which he is to acquire an ambassador from Mars and a small sum of money for the waning fat lady. Another couple of weeks, he thinks, and she would have been worthless. Who, uh, a miraculous deal, a work of genius. Giggling softly, and no doubt meanly to himself, he drops off that night into a comfortable slumber, the first in weeks, the bed beside him, heaving fretfully the while with the parting anguish of the distraught lovers. It wasn't murder. It was a revolution, a revolution of love. As one, the entire complement of the circus arises at midnight. Now, freedom, equality, clobber the fucking lunch, and summarily executes and inters the ringmaster alongside the deserted country road, castrating him symbolically in the process circus people are born to symbology, and installs the fat lady and the thin man as representatives of the common proprietorship. We were all agreed that then man and the fat lady, in fact, were the last to know. An ambassador from Mars, indeed. Did he think we had no pride? So joy reigns in the circus for weeks. Every performance concludes with a party. The two lovers' happiness seems to radiate magically, attracting new masses of spectators, all of which augments in turn their happiness. It is indeed a paradise. The thin man exercises without compunction and quickly reaps a sturdy little pair of biceps. The fat lady, all aglow, switches calorie charts with the thin man and within a week loses one of her several chins. Everyone, including the thin man, remarks on her beauty. Love is the word of the day. Circus people are basically good people. Their hatred for their former ringmaster subsides. The souvenir taken from him is fed to the lions and he is soon forgotten altogether. In a new day, there's no place for old resentments. Now, I mean, you, you, you go along for years, see, thinking you got a ringmaster on account of you got to have one. 
Ever seen a circus without a ringmaster? No? Well, that just goes to show how history can fake you out. It was beautiful, all of it just happening, acts coming on spontaneously, here, there. It was wild and exciting and unpredictable. Well, suddenly it hits, you see. All your life you've been looking at circuses and you say, that's how circuses are. But what if they ain't? What if that's all a goddamn myth propagated by ringmasters, you dig? What if it's all open-ended and we can, if we want to, live by love? We even started enjoying each other's acts. I rode the elephant once. Hey, who says clowns got to take pratfalls all the time? I learned to play in the band and train a bear and ride a horse through a fiery hoop. But just when the picture is pinkest, bad news. It becomes all too apparent that fewer people are visiting the stalls of the thin man and the fat lady. And those that do pass through do so hastily and with little interest. Okay, so they're happy, so they're in love. So what? You see one lover, you see them all. First, everyone stubbornly disregards the signs. The parties go on, the songs and the celebrations. The thin man lifts weight, as always, and the fat lady diets. Their glad hearts, though gnawed at a bit by apprehension, remain kindled by love and joy. One could almost say it was the romantic legend come true. But finally, they can no longer ignore the black and white truth of the circus ledger now in their care. Somewhere, apparently, there is a fatter lady and a thinner man. Their new world threatens to crumble. Uh, we didn't want to hurt their feelings, you know. We, we kidded them a little, hoping they'd take the hint. I mean, why couldn't they just love each other for themselves? For the good of the whole circus, we said. In their van one night, doubt having doused for the moment the flame of passion, they agree. The fat lady will restore her cast-off corpulence. The thin man will return his set of barbells to the strong man. They, ex they re-exchange calorie charts and begin in earnest to win back their public, bound to be an integrant of their attachment after all. It's not easy. Worried by business reverses, the fat lady must work doubly hard to lay on each pound. And the thin man discovers that his little knots of muscle tend to sag instead of disappear. They're driven by the most serious determination. The eyes of the circus are upon them. Momentary reverses only steal them more to the task. Chocolates, for me, it's been so long. With love. But now that you see me like this, will you truly love me when I'm fat again? Ah, to be honest, dear, I ain't sure I can even tell the difference. The worst part of the day for the fat lady comes when she steps upon the scales. Disgusted by her fat, she is disgusted she has added so little of it. The thin man dutifully records her weight each day, and his presence comes to irritate her. He clucks his tongue when she fails to increase, and sighs wistfully when she succeeds. She would cry, but is afraid of the loss of anything, even tears. She refuses to submit to any activity which might make her perspire and even demands that she be lifted in and out of the van each day. The thin man steps daily before a full-length mirror. Disgusted by his thinness, he is disgusted that he still wears those little pouches under his skin. He wishes to be mere bone, hilarious, frightening, unfleshed bone. The fat lady nags and pinches the little lumps that were once his muscles. He wonders if he's come to hate her. 
Hold up your arm there, lover boy. Let me feel that flab. Hey, how cute, just like a little oyster. Yeah, and so what? So, oysters are a luxury, skinhead. People may pay to eat them, but they won't pay just to look. The fat lady, pointing out the thin man's bagginess, doubts he has been firm in his resolution and snoops about for hidden food. The man, grimly checking the lady on the scales each day, begins to suspect her of burning off calories behind his back. They sneak into each other's stalls during the day, spy on one another at mealtimes, wrangle bitterly over the business books at night in their van. If one day the fat lady takes in a single dime more than the thin man, he must account for his obvious inconstancy of will. If a child carried past the fat lady's stall fails to laugh and point at her, the thin man uses it as proof of her deceptions. Of what use is she to the circus if not even a child is titillated? What is worse than a baggy thin man who can't make a dime? Well, I'm sorry, I didn't build those goddamn biceps overnight. They don't shrink overnight, neither. You can exercise, you can't exercise backwards, I tell her. You just go limp and hope for the best. But I do that and she just laughs at me. I think she's got her eye on daredevil dick. Think of my nerves, I tell him. If they ain't fat nerves, he says, I got no use for them. All day he's stuffing me even wants to add in intravenous feedings. One day he brings home this dumbbell. He's got a mean glint in his eye. Nothing doing, I say, but it gives him an idea. Maybe you ought to get pregnant, he says. That'd work for nine months, I say, but then what? And he gives me this strange look. The situation deteriorates rapidly. The thin man becomes sour and morose. His shoulders stooped, head sunk, and dark thoughts. The fat lady, immobile and glum, goes so far as to belch obscenely when a passerby remarks that she's really not so fat. After all, they quarrel without cease, and their gloom spreads like wet sawdust through the whole circus. Gate receipts diminish, and even the peanut sales drop off. And then one night... The thin man moves abruptly to the old ringmaster's van, something of a sacrifice on his part, since in the interim it's been used by a pair of camels. The fat lady bellows after him that she's glad to see him go. It's not true about Daredevil Dick, though. Who could think about love in times like these? As he stamps peevishly out of her van, the, the business books smuggled under his shirt. He renegotiates the old deal with the rival circus, and before anybody realizes what has happened, they have an ambassador from Mars in their midst, and the fat lady is gone. There are some unspecific rumbles of discontent, but since no one wishes to be sold to the rival circus, known to be on its last legs and infamous for its corrupt and tyrannical ringmaster, these rumbles are held within discreet limits. Well, it was a, it was a crisis after all. He did what he had to do. You had to think about the competition. They were all out to get us. It was the best thing for everybody. She was my best friend. Everybody loved her, but no one seemed to care. I was alone. What could I say? Uh, you get used to everything in this life. The thin man in power gains strength. He squares his shoulders and sets about getting the circus back on its feet. He is ruthless with himself, as he's learned to be ruthless with others. The harder he works, the more rigorously he fasts. He will be thin and damn the world. And even the unhappy fat lady, leagues distance, surrenders wearily to her fate, and doing so finds it easy enough to expand once again. But wait, 
See what we've come to. The fat lady separated from her inseparable thin man. The solution for all the thin man's admirable will cannot but fail. It's a circus without pleasure. What are three rings of determination? There are, these are dismal, shadowy tents, and who can wander through their yawning flaps without a taste of dread? No, no, it's worse even than the mythological thin, mat, thin lady coupled with a fat man. Our metaphor with time has come unhinged. A rescue is called for. Let us suppose, then, that the thin man is suddenly deposed, never mind why or how, taking everything for himself, even started growing a mustache, brought himself a whip. We had a meeting at never mind. The ambassador from Mars, unexpectedly popular, assumes the thin man's functions, and the man himself is exiled to the rival circus in exchange for a family of web-footed midgets. And so, here we go. The thin man, all a tremble and with tears springing to his eyes, here he comes, rushing pell-mell into the fat lady's tent. All the circus people, the visiting crowds, the animals run behind, snorting, whooping, laughing giddily, whooping into her arms, and she clasps him eagerly and forgivingly to her heaving bosom. Spectators weep for joy. The image is made whole, beautiful in spite of all history. See how their joyful tears flow. Oh, I'm all weepy and excited myself. He buries his head in her lap. Hold me. Later, when the world's love is momentarily spent and the crowds have slipped weakly away, she makes a space for him in her little van. It's run down like this whole decrepit circus, yet there is a corner in it still for happiness. This ringmaster is, as all have rightly averred, a corrupt and mordant bastard, greedy beyond belief, but by staying very fat and very thin, respectively, they satisfy his daytime proddings, and by night he's too absorbed in his ledgers to pay them notice. Thus, though the sacrifices have been considerable, if indeed not prohibitive, we have obeyed the innocent bite in our forks and held fast to our precious metaphor. Yet somehow, strangely, it's lost some of its old charm. We go to the circus to see the fat lady and the thin man, and though warmed by them, perhaps even amused and incited by them still, we nevertheless return home somehow dissatisfied. That, yes, the fattest and thin, but what is it? Maybe only that, as always, they are ludicrous, and that now, having gone to such lengths to reunite them, we are irritated to discover to discover their limits, to find that the ludicrous is not also beautiful. Like, you know, well, like, they ought to do more for us somehow. After all, we done for them. I mean, thin man, fat lady, all right, it's cute, it's funny maybe, but, well, let us admit it. Perhaps it is ourselves who are corrupted. Perhaps we have seen or been too many ringmasters, watched too many parades, safely witnessed too many thrills, counted through too many books. Maybe it's just that we've lost a taste for the simple in a world perplexingly simple. For see there, there a child laughs gaily at the thin man's tense smile, and there a young couple giggle in front of the unctuous fat lady. So, what the hell? Some circus music, please. Some raging lions and white horses and the clean cracking of black whips, cracker jacks, peanuts, and a monkey to wrap his tail around the flagpole. But remember, 
these two, magic, metaphor, or no, are not the whole circus, nor, to borrow from the hoariest spiel of them all in this matter of circuses, is life one. There are three rings. Lazy gentlemen, absolutely unique this way, patrons of the arts, desolate ways, deepest ninja, suckled by werewolves, naked and hairy. Right this way, folks, she's half human, half reptile, you won't believe your eyes. Absolutely wild, gotta stand back, limited time only, get your tickets here. Before going into the big top sea, and now you may never get another chance. Lives entirely on human flesh, you heard me right, son, and we don't know how long we can keep him alive. And then there are more. Who can grasp it all? And who, grasping, can hold it? No, we've lost many things, go on losing, and yet must yet lose more. Even the thin man will grow old and bent. The fat lady will shrivel and die. We can hang on to nothing, least of all the simple. This way, boys and girls, into the big show, starting in just five minutes. Still plenty of seats, but good ones are going fast. Yes, sir, mister, how many? Hey, cotton candy, popcorn, soda pop. Get your souvenir book and while they last. Fifty cents, two quarters of a dollar, beautiful four-color, all the stars. Take a thrills home with you. There they come. It's the parade. Last chance now, folks. Tell you what I'm going to do. Limited time only for the big show. Gets underway. Pay attention, madam. Lost supply lasts one quarter. Hurry. All the thrills and chills. Big top in four colors. One quarter. Fifty. Five for a dollar. Add extra bonus. Feature bag of nuts. You there. But listen. The losses. These two are ludicrous, aren't they? These two are part of the comedy, right? A ring around the rings. So, damn it, let us hoot and holler and thrill and eat peanuts and cheer and swill the pop and laugh and bawl and come on, all us sin men, all you fat ladies. And now, lazy gentlemen, all you youngsters, crack what you all been waiting for. Crack into the first ring, feature act, a tumbling twosome from Tusky Loose. Crack, give him a hand, folks. Crack in a second, first time this side of the Atlantic. Coming to us from crack and riding on a unicycle. What's that rocket you carry in there, George? Watch out, crack. And high above, without a net, those flirters with death, crack. Defying the laws of gravity, drum rolls and whip cracks. You say it's a new secret weapon you're working on for the government, George. Well, how's it work, crack? Nothing but her teeth, folks, between her and the other world. Fanfare and his thoroughbred Arabian horses. Crack, now, don't tell me you're going to light that big thing in here, George. Crack, and rode by the thin man and the fat lady. Ho, ho, give him a big hand, folks. Crack, look out. That was Robert Coover reading the title story of the new mini-modern classic, Romance of the Thin Man and the Fat Lady. And as Robert mentioned, the story appears in the collection Prick Songs and Descants, which is being published as a Penguin Modern Classic at the end of April. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to contact us, you can now email podcast at penguin.co.uk or if you don't need more than 140 characters for whatever you have to say, we're on Twitter as at Penguin Podcast. You've been listening to the Penguin Podcast.